Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Hope each and every single one of you are doing very, very well in these very, very odd times here for all of us. Welcome to the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball and the Hoopball Podcast Network. I'm your host, uh, Damian Barling. Uh, Matt George of the Locked On Kings podcast is going to join me here uh, in just a heartbeat. We're not going to dive super deep into what the Sacramento Kings did uh, this year. We're just going to kind of talk about basketball and where we are in, in in terms of things as they pertain to the NBA. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the Sacramento Kings as well. Just a, just a conversation between two guys who haven't really uh, talked in a while. Um, I, I had in, intended to talk with Matt uh, when the season came to a screeching halt about a week ago. We thought it was best to kind of hold off a little bit and, and, and resume our conversations later. Just put the podcast on hold as you know, it feels like our entire lives are on hold uh, right now. And, and, and I feel like it's, it's, it's going to be like that uh, for a while. And it's just kind of something that, that we've got to get used to. I, I don't know when the NBA season is going to return. I don't know if the NBA season is going to return. Uh, but just know if you have tuned into this podcast at any point uh, during uh, this last NBA season, know that I really appreciate it. Aaron Bruski really appreciates it. All of the people that work behind the scenes of the Hoopball podcast uh, really appreciate it. And I know Matt George appreciates it as well as he joins me here. And Matt, I was just saying, man, I, I don't. I don't think the NBA season is going to return this year. Right. June is June is the earliest that we're hearing, right? And I just I don't understand even if it did come back at that particular time, I don't understand necessarily how the NBA is going to either incorporate or reincorporate any, everything or at least catch up on everything. Uh, Jason what? Ross and I were no, no, go ahead. Yeah, I, just, I don't, I don't think, I think that's, I don't think we're, I think that's a far-fetched thought. Like it, it, in June, I mean, I know there was talks of, uh, and I think Adam Silver addressed this yesterday with, with, with Rachel Nichols and in, in, in ESPN, where they're where they're talking about a potential new calendar year, where in, in, instead of, what is it, October to June, I think it is now, uh, instead it becomes uh, December to August as the new NBA calendar. And it, it, it's, I, I mean, when we're talking playing games in June, man, we're talking about a restructure of the entire league. And even at that, the regular season is over. Like we can't play another regular season game. Can't be played this year. If we did go to that, that schedule restructure though, the idea of, of the NBA starting in December, which is something that they've talked about for a while, though, don't you feel like something like this is potentially the the best way to to not necessarily force that change, but to begin that change? They have a legitimate excuse now to try and 
uh, if nothing else, start with the playoffs immediately. Let that go as long as it's going to go, regardless of when you start again. Uh, and then have the offseason go through November into early December and then start uh, on Christmas and just incorporate a new calendar because of all the chaos and craziness that's going on. Yeah, I mean, there there are things that you have to figure out with your television partners. You know, you have to make sure that TNT is on board for that and ESPN and, and, and all of that stuff. But, yeah, like it's kind of like, you know, not to shift gears too much, but I, I, I know you can appreciate this reference. I'm sure you heard that WrestleMania is going to a two-day event uh, right. in, a, in, a, in a couple of weeks. That's something that the WWE has talked about for years. And now they have the opportunity to try it with virtually no ramifications at all. So they can try it and see how it goes and see how it's received on their network and see how it's received by fans. It's basically, it's, it's, a, it's a forced change that gives them to try, it gives them the opportunity to try out something they've been talking about. So like, yeah, I, I think you're, I think you're on to something when you say it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's the perfect opportunity to try something that, you know, some within the NBA community, the board of directors, some of the, you know, higher level management people and different organizations have kind of pushed for in different league meetings. Well, I just feel like if you're going to try and get back to normal and then incorporate that change later, it's, it's just even more fragmented and even more, kind of chaotic and up in the air versus taking the opportunity presented to you and, and just trying to make that change. Now, that's not my first choice. My first choice would be things getting back to normal as soon as possible, which is pretty much, I mean, it's almost a naive thought process at this point with everything going on and, and the expectation uh, that nothing is going to return until late June, early July at the absolute earliest. And even that seems far-fetched. But one thing we know for sure, right, is that NBA owners are going to push to have every single game completed and they're going to push to have every single uh, playoff game be treated as if nothing had changed, nothing had happened, regardless of when those games are taking place. So do you see a scenario or a situation where the NBA owners can win or get what they want here, or does everybody have to no. completely extremely compromise? No, everybody is compromising. I mean, the, the NBA's most important asset and you know I know oftentimes and I and I don't mean this in a demeaning way I know oftentimes it's led to believe well it's it's the people at the arena and it's the people who spend those big money on those tickets and 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 the popcorn and the the ten dollar beer it's not it's the tv deals the TV yep. deals is where the the and it's not exclusive to the NBA. If the NFL played in an empty stadium, they wouldn't be happy, but ultimately they wouldn't be poor either. As long as people were watching on television, they would be fine. So if the NBA can find a way to satisfy their television partners, I think they'll be fine. There's no way that the full slate, like what are we at? 18 games left. There is absolutely no way, given what we know about this pandemic right now. And given that the extreme measures that state after state after state are, are, are taking, there's there's no way like NBA facilities are shut down. Like I, I know firsthand there were some there was at least one team that I know of that was at least starting the structure of how they were going to approach individual workouts moving forward. Adam Silver shut that down. He shut that down, you know, earlier today. Just nope. NBA facilities are closed. There are no individual workouts. There are no team practices. None of that stuff is happening. 
So you know the, the thought of 18 regular season games being played before the playoffs, I think, is silly. The one thing that I thought as this as this news, you know, as we had a day or two to digest this stuff after what happened, you know, last Wednesday when when our you know entire worlds changed, was basketball games could be produced similar to what uh, WWE and AEW are trying to do with their television shows. Right, obviously, those are entertainment programs, but they're produced for television. Well, produce basketball for television. Uh, my thought was, if there was a way that basketball activities could resume, and I want to be clear, I don't think there, excuse me, I don't think that there is a way. But if there were, produce it as a television show where you're playing in some sort of empty arena or empty facility. You have, uh, you know, the television crew calling it, you know, from a truck or whatever. You've limited the amount of people inside the building. You don't do any travel. It's in a neutral location or whatever. And you're able to play playoff series that way. My original thought was, okay, if this, if this whole, you know, Adam Silver talked about 30 days, if those, if this whole pandemic is short enough, then that 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 could that could work, but you know now you know, barely you know a week later it's just that's not going to happen. There's no scenario anyone can present to me that leads me to believe uh, basketball resume will resume. Because even if even if we go with your scenario, Matt, where you talked about you know we talked about altering the league year, kind of like Adam Silver referenced on ESPN, if we alter the league year and we're actually going till December. Is it really the same season? Because at that point, we're talking about March, April. We're talking about potentially three months away. Right. It's almost like it. It's almost like a new season. Yeah. And it, and it's like okay, so if we let, let's say we squeeze in ten more regular season games, okay, or are we squeeze in five more regular season games or one more regular season game? It's like so. You know, Giannis or LeBron, they're competing for an MVP award that stretched from, you know, essentially from, from October all the way until the following October. Like, that, I mean, that's, that's amazing. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's absolutely amazing. And I just, I, I don't know. If, I ultimately think it's just going to be a wash. Unless they can figure out a way to satisfy their television partners where no one is, is in danger. And I just, I don't see that being the case. It's just the, the season's gone. It feels like there's a bunch of questions trying to be answered by one really broad answer, right? Like it's the, the idea of player contracts on top, like, and how do those carry over through the rest of the season and into the off season? Do yeah. players even want to play when they know that they have a potential big payday for a different team? Uh, coming up can they just refuse to play you're talking about players getting healthy alone i mean is there some weird crazy twisted scenario where if the the nba regular season resumed at the uh, at the end of june and in the beginning of july is kevin durant available to play now, yeah right i mean that's something extreme but for example for the king's perspective is marvin bagley healthy and available to play and how does that affect uh, the Kings race uh, their immediate game against the Pelicans and then trying to catch the Memphis Grizzlies. It almost feels like, Damon, I'm wondering if you feel the same way, it would be beneficial of the NBA, and maybe this is what we get to in a couple weeks. They just inform all the teams that were out of the playoff picture, so all the from C9 downward, just tell them, sorry, it's unfortunate. I know many of you had a chance at the playoffs, and but this is an abnormal year. Things happen. 
we're going to call it as it is. The top eight teams in each conference are in the playoffs. And then from that point, they work out a abbreviated, maybe shorter playoff series. You mentioned neutral location. Just find a way to, once you have even the ability uh, to play games, regardless of crowd, regardless of venue, whatever, once you have the ability to actually play basketball games, just jump right into an abbreviated playoff and just try and wrap this thing up as quickly as possible. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm totally with that, and I know, you know, Kings fans will be, you know, frustrated with that, given you know, 18 games left, uh, three and a half back. Of course, the game that 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 ultimately never got played was was going to be a pivotal kind of telltale sign for for what things could look like uh, and what the Kings' chances stood at for the next 18 games. But you know, we've had strike shortened seasons before. Uh, they've just been shortened at the beginning of the season. They've never been shortened at the end of the season. You know, I, I don't, I know fans are passionate uh, and obviously players are passionate too, but I don't think anyone will not understand, or at least I would hope people would not understand. Of course, you can go to Twitter or Facebook and realize, yep, there are still plenty of people who don't understand, but the gravity of the situation that we're in right now, like, you know, ending a playoff drought isn't really the most important thing in the world. So if you do come back and say, hey, uh, you know, teams nine through 14, 15, whatever, we're, we're going to go ahead and, you know, the playoffs are as is. And really all we're talking about, it's really the eighth spot in the Western Conference. If you yeah. really wanted to stretch your thinking, you could say the eighth spot in the Eastern Conference, but we're, you know, I think the the Wizards, I haven't checked recently. I think they were maybe five back. So, you know, mathematically, there are a lot of teams still. I think only, what, Golden State and Cleveland were actually eliminated. I mean, there's still a lot of teams who mathematically have a chance, but there's a difference between realistically having a chance and mathematically having a chance. And Yeah, the Wizards are, Wizards are five and a half games back. Yeah, I mean, so, come on. I mean, I mean, they're not going to make it with 18 games left. You know what I mean? Like, right. So, so really, we're to, we're we're talking about the eight spot, and even that, you still needed Memphis to lose it. Memphis had a tough schedule. New Orleans has a good gripe, but you know, let's wash our hands of this. Maybe run, <laughs> no pun intended, run. You know, a, a two out of three series for the first round, maybe. Maybe best of five, second, or maybe another two out of three uh, in, in the first round. And that right there, think about that. Think about a playoff series that, that that's the best two out of three. How intriguing would that be if, you know, Memphis beats the Lakers in game one, and suddenly now you've got the Lakers on the verge of being eliminated for the next two games. Think about the type of television intrigue uh, that would be, you know, for for our return to competitive sports to television. I mean... There are scenarios there, but again, it's how realistic are any of these and just given the pace and progression in which, you know, we're recording this on, what is this, Thursday the 19th? Matt, it was only eight days ago. It was only eight days ago that people, 17,000 people were gathered in arenas watching basketball. Think about what has happened in the last eight days. We've had states shut down. We've had we've been told don't leave your house. Uh, we can't go to our favorite restaurants. You know we've got all of these different things happening. What's going to happen in the next eight days? You know, eight days ago there were, I think, three hundred confirmed cases of the coronavirus in this country. Now there's seventy five hundred. 
Like what's going to happen eight days from now? And to think we keep hearing the term, bend, uh, what is it? Bend the curve, bend the curve. I don't think we're there yet. I think we're still climbing up the hill to, you know, unfortunately we're climbing a hill where we're trying to get to the worst part of this so we can get to the other side. I don't think we've gotten to the worst part of it yet. And because we haven't got there, I don't think we can start thinking about it. It's not going to be too long before we start talking about, are we going to miss NFL games? And it's not too long before we're going to start talking about, okay, how much, you know, what are like, how much of our lives are we really going to lose? And again, we're talking about it on a Kings podcast on a couple of Kings podcasts. We're trying to cover it from the sports aspect of it. We're not trying to cover it from the real life aspect. I mean, there are people Without health insurance, there are people that are losing jobs. This isn't meant to be insensitive. This is just meant to be driving in the lanes that we're in. And we're covering it from a sports perspective. And I don't know the next live sporting event that we're going to see, including the Olympics. I I just wonder, even from a baseball perspective, are they looking at, is our season going to be canceled outright? How can we even begin to? It's just this unprecedented unimaginable territory and you mentioned how far that we've gone just over the last seven eight days right i mean i was in the golden one center on wednesday and all everything all indications pointed to this game was happening the fact that when the news broke of what was happening between uh, the utah jazz and the oklahoma city thunder and okc that was right around the time that they were opening the doors of the golden one center and we were expecting a, a sellout crowd and masses of people in their seats and from me being there, as soon as the, the news dropped that Rudy Gobert was sick and that the season was suspended, I was sitting in the break room underneath the arena going, why in the world are we playing this yeah. game? I just, it, it, it didn't make any sense to me, and yet we still went all the way up to two minutes before tip-off, and we found out that it was basically the New Orleans Pelicans refusing to take the floor and play the game that ended up resulting uh, in the game being suspended. Now, we can talk about the angle of the official that potentially was sick, having officiated the last Utah Jazz game a couple nights before as the quote-unquote reason. But really, it was the New Orleans Pelicans not wanting to play and risk it uh, while the Sacramento Kings were out there warming up, ready to play a national TV game. And from my perspective, the fan in me, of course, wanted the game to happen because it was, in my opinion, going to be one of the biggest games in Sacramento uh, in over a decade, and, and I wanted to watch uh, that basketball game being played, but I saw just from following you on Twitter, and, and you kind of felt the same way as me, right? That the NBA was unsure what they wanted to do, and, and whether it was the Sacramento Kings, the NBA itself, everybody seemingly was, was not taking the situation seriously enough, and now potentially we're facing the repercussions of no games being played for three, four, five months. Well, I, I think when you go back to that day and you look at, like, I had an issue with when the directive came down from San Francisco that no gatherings of, <laughs> again, you talk about how far we've come. At the time, the gathering number was 250. Like, no gatherings more than, you know, 250 people or, uh, you know, 100 people or something like that. And and, and the Warriors had, had announced that they were going to play the Brooklyn Nets on Thursday night without any fans in the arena. When that directive had come down, my feeling was, I, I know how important this game is to the Sacramento Kings, and I don't mean importance in terms of, 
playoff contention, sure. But it's their only nationally televised game. And I know how, you know, upset Kings fans were over that. I'm, I'm, I'm sure Kings players were upset over that. Kings ownership management, you know, all the front office people, they were upset over that. But the fact is, when that directive came down from San Francisco, I felt immediately that the Kings should have made an announcement that that game, the Pelicans and the Kings, were gonna, was going to be played in an empty arena. I, I felt that that was the safe thing to do, the right thing to do. Let's not pretend that we don't understand the intersects between the Bay Area and Sacramento. The intersects are great. So if they're going to make that proclamation there, it's got to trickle down here, especially when you're talking about, and maybe not in day-to-day life, because downtown San Francisco is a whole lot different than downtown Sacramento. But when it comes to a sporting event and it comes to an arena, I thought the Sacramento Kings earlier in the day, they should have just called it and said, Game is scheduled. We've got it. National television. Partners here. We're good to go. But I, I'm sorry, fans. For your best interest, we can't let you in. And, and we're, we're closing down the arena tonight. And I think we were only, we were less than 24 hours from an announcement from the NBA that all arenas were going to be shut down for the foreseeable future. Um, when the NBA suspended the season, it should have been the NBA's call to suspend that game. I understand allowing the game to a certain degree. I understand allowing the games that were already in progress to finish. Because if you're Adam Silver at that point, you really don't know what's happening. You really don't know the the full impact of what we're dealing with. So you allow the games that have already started to finish. The Pelicans and the Kings hadn't tipped yet. It should have been immediately following the games that are being competed. The season is over, and that includes our nationally televised uh, uh, Pelicans-Kings game. That should have been the NBA's call, not the Kings' call. Uh, but I'm glad someone someone stood up and said, you know, we're not. And it's amazing that that had to be done. Like, think about, think about this for a second, Matt. One player, one player tested positive for this virus, and the league was prepared within minutes to shut the entire season down. Mm-hmm. One player, like that... It was clear to me that after that call that Sam Amick wrote so wonderfully about on uh, on uh, the athletic in in those days, talking about patient zero and all of that, that they had a plan set in place and they understood the gravity of the situation. Where if we have one player that exhibits symptoms, one player that tests positive, we are shutting this thing down because there was no call. When that situation, which was a bizarre situation to watch unfold, there was no. Uh, you know, meeting with 32 owners when that or 30 owners when that Oklahoma City, Utah thing took place. They had put that plan in place in case something happens, break glass and pull out this fire extinguisher. And that fire extinguisher was shutting down the season immediately. And that's exactly what they did. So the fact that anyone was campaigning for that game to be played and for the fact that the, the, the NBA didn't in that release say this Kings Pelicans game that has not tipped. It was the only game by the way, that hadn't tipped is not taking place was terribly, terribly irresponsible. And, 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 and not just, and just taking, you know, irresponsible out of it. It was useless. Like what was the point in the game being played? In the grand scheme of things, it really wouldn't have meant that much if you're playing for playoff positioning for playoffs that might not be happening right. uh, at all based off of everything that was going on. It's it's where we've a lot of people, it feels like people want to villainize different elements, right? Because we need someone to blame. So I know Rudy Gobert has been villainized in a major way, and I definitely want to talk to you about that. But 
Uh, the New York Knicks, I mean, they're villainized for a lot of reasons, especially with the, the ownership group that is uh, there in uh, in Madison Square Garden. But they were one of the teams that I guess said that they were waiting for the word from, was it the league or was it government authorities issuing them to shut things down before they were willing to, to stop playing basketball? And, of course, we all know that that is more money-driven than anything else. Do you blame organizations? And then from the Kings' standpoint, the fact that the Kings were out there willing to play on their home floor because we know the money and the, the uh, attention drawn from a national TV game versus a team like the Pelicans, who had also or already gotten a, a handful of national TV games this season. They were on the road, and they were not willing to ri- uh, risk it, so they were the ones refusing to come out there. In your mind, do you blame the teams that were wanting to still play or wanting to wait for a, a government-issued or a league-issued shutdown to pull the trigger, do you blame them for having that mindset? Uh, or And do you feel like it should have been their call regardless of what the league said? No, it should have been the it, it should have been the league's call. So to answer, you, you know, no, there's I, I don't I don't blame teams for, you know, as 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 easy it is to 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 beat on the New York Knicks. Like I don't blame them for saying, well, we're kind of waiting. Like we we don't know what to do. Like none of us know what to do. We have never lived through anything like this before. So while James Dolan is a giant turd that just won't go down the toilet bowl, I guess this isn't his fault. I'm not going to blame him for his reaction to the, to the coronavirus. I think, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think that statement from the Knicks was irresponsible. I think the statement about Spike Lee was more irresponsible than that statement. Like they're waiting, like we'll, we'll follow the orders of the NBA. We'll follow the orders of the uh, of of uh, New York, uh, the state of New York, but he, you know, like if Brooklyn, for example, and this is because I don't want to like contradict what I just said. If Brooklyn had said we have to shut the arena down, you know, the the city officials here, you know, in the borough of Brooklyn have have shut our arena down, I would expect the New York Knicks to stand up and say, okay, we've got to do the same thing. Which is, you know, that's that's how I felt about San Francisco and and Sacramento and that and that Pelicans game before it was ultimately called, but. No, I don't. I don't fault organizations. Truthfully, I don't. I don't fault anybody. I don't fault you. I don't fault Kings fans who who desperately wanted that game to be played because we we didn't. You know, we didn't know then, and I'm not confident that people still know today what exactly we're dealing with. There are, you know, elected leaders across the country. You know, there there are whack jobs all over this place who are going to their Twitter accounts and screaming how this is just the flu. Stop acting like a little bitch and move on. Like th- th- that's essentially what they're tweeting about. And it's like, yeah, yep. no, not exactly. That's 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 not what we're dealing with. Like the world wouldn't be reacting like this if if that's what we were dealing with. The NBA led the charge in shutting down the entire sports world. One guy test positive, Rudy Gobert, and and I know you were you know kind of a, a alluding to uh, uh, him touching all of the microphones and him being villainized and. No, that's not okay. No, but Rudy Gobert has become the poster child of ignorance regarding what this virus is because he thought it would, you know, that was what, like day one of reporters being, you know, so-called quarantined and they were, you know, at the eight to nine feet, you know, marker away from players and coaches and all of that stuff. And 
He thought it would be funny to do the bit where he touches everything. And of course, that video has circulated millions and millions and millions and millions of time across the internet because he's become the poster child of, well, look how easy it is. His teammate Donovan Mitchell has it. And now you start to, you know, Kevin Durant wasn't even on the floor. And he's got it. They don't even think Kevin Durant got it from an NBA player. Like that, that's kind of, it's like people, you know, not fully understanding how truly contagious and how easily spread this virus is. Like, I I think the, the, the tone of everything, you know, that we had been dealing with in terms of this virus changed that Wednesday night and changed even more drastically in the days following when major league baseball shut down, uh, when the NCAA tournaments were canceled, Uh, March Madness was canceled. The conference tournaments were canceled. Uh, The NFL draft is officially in, in, you know, in the form that we know it, that big grand stage that they were building into Bellagio, that's all shut down. You know, there are ramifications that are going to stretch in in terms of, again, just trying to stay in the lane of sports. You know, we've got to start looking at, is the Las Vegas stadium ready? Because if it's not, it might not be ready in time. Is the Los Angeles stadium ready? Because if it's not, and I and I know the Los Angeles one isn't ready, it might not be ready in time for the football season. So you know, there, there, the, the you know, I don't know when this thing settles down, but we're a long, long. I mean, the ramifications from whether it's the last few weeks or whether it's the next couple, the ramifications are going to be felt for years economically. Uh, when it comes to jobs and, and, you know, there's going to be a fallout in the world of sports about how they, you know, try to rebuild all of this stuff. It's telling to me that people, so many people, and this is myself included, we didn't really start to care or take it seriously until our sports were impacted. Like for me, it was, I knew this was around and I knew that it was a virus and a sickness, uh, but it wasn't until I experienced what I experienced at the Golden One Center that Wednesday night. And even then I went home going, okay, this is a league taking precautions. This will be over in a month. We're just making sure that, that everything is taken care of. And then you wake up the next day and you, it starts with the news that Donovan Mitchell is sick as well. So that's the bombshell that you wake up to on Thursday. You're like, okay, I get it. He's connected with people. They're going to get sick. We'll, everybody will, They're healthy. They're young men. They'll get through it. We'll all be fine. And then league by league over the next 24 hours, essentially everything starts shutting down. And I think someone on Twitter, they put together a timeline of just Wednesday through Thursday, uh, hour by hour, all the things that took place just in the world of sports, uh, of changes and shutdowns that were happening. And by the end of that day, I went to bed on Thursday night going, this is legit. (laughs) This is real. Uh, And it's going to, like you said, not just have an impact on the rest of my basketball season, and not just potentially have an impact on my summer and then, of course, my job as a, as a sports radio host and, and journalist and reporter, this is going to have an impact on the world of sports and the world, period, for, like you said, years to come. It's, it's telling to me uh, that it took sports falling apart and the, the foundation of escape that we have from real-world problems and athletics, that being taken away. Uh, for so many people to actually open their eyes and take this thing seriously. And maybe that's why the NBA pulled the trigger and did what they did. But I could also argue, and I'm sure you could also argue, that the NBA was late in taking this seriously, as were 
the rest of the leagues. I don't know if taking it seriously, there's a couple of things to dive in there. I don't know that taking it seriously is the proper way of putting it, but understanding the full ramifications of it. Like, for example, I'll take what you just said when you talked about Donovan Mitchell. Like, okay, I get it. Donovan Mitchell, uh, you know, uh, 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 teammates with Rudy Gobert. Like, Rudy Gobert, like, he got it from somebody. You know what I mean? It's not like he brought the disease over with him. You know what I mean? He got it from somebody. We're assuming Donovan Mitchell got it from Rudy Gobert, but we don't know that. Okay, they're a young man. They'll be fine. Yeah, but what if Rudy Gobert or what if uh, Donovan Mitchell goes to visit his mother or goes to visit an elderly fan? You know, then, you know, now we're talking about something entirely different. And right. as you and I have been talking, full disclosure, we're recording this, you know, it's just afternoon on, on March 19th, a player within the Denver Nuggets organization has also tested positive. Let, let, let me rephrase that. I said, uh, I said a player, a member of the Denver Nuggets organization has also tested positive for the coronavirus. So we're now up to at least eight members of the NBA community that have tested positive. And I can tell you, I know of one team that has been tested several, 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 several days ago, and they, they haven't gotten their results as well. Uh, they haven't gotten their results yet. And they're waiting to get their results to find out if the rest of their travel party needs to be tested. So, like, you know, I, I know, you know, in, in the testing and NBA players getting tested, that's a whole other conversation that people are upset about right now. And I, I, I understand that. But you see how quickly, you know, this thing is spread. And, and just in the, the, the short time that testing has been done within the NBA, we were, we're already up to, you know, eight players, four of them were on one team. And, it was the right move, obviously, for the for the season to shut down. But I still think, you know, even after all of this, even after after the cancellation of the season, even after the cancellation of, of of all of the other you know sporting events that we were so excited to see moving forward, I still think there are a lot of people in this country who don't quite grasp what we're dealing with yet. And the fact that you know many of them are now being told to stay at home, and there are a lot of people that can that that can work from home. There are a lot of people that can't. And, you know, unfortunately, those there are going to be a lot of jobs impacted in, in states like California that have been hit really hard. There are going to be a lot of jobs impacted, you know, uh, in, in, in states across America. But in the states that have been hit the hardest, man, the 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 economic loss from this is just going to be man, it's just going to be staggering. Absolutely staggering. Yeah, it's definitely going to change the landscape of the country, change the landscape of sports, not to go too far down a rabbit hole, but you, you brought up the people that can't work from home. And the, with sports being affected, some of the first people that came to mind for many people was the those that work actually at venues, the, the, the ushers, the concession stands, those who uh, clean up before and after every single game. The amount of employees that the these massive organizations, basketball, MLB, NFL, does not matter, the amount of employees that they have that rely on game nights, and not just that, like the Golden One Center employees that rely also on the concerts and other events along with basketball games uh, to be able to afford to live in California or just afford to live anywhere, period. It's pretty staggering. And I've been, it, it has been heartwarming to see players like Zion and, and like Giannis Antetokounmpo and all these players that are stepping up uh, and donating money to be able to help uh, fund those people, make sure those people uh, get paid. But I also wonder, shouldn't that, shouldn't that be on the organization to, to take care of them? And, and hopefully there are things and, and structures in place for these people to be able to live and be able to 
come up with that money and, and these organizations hopefully can take care of these people uh, that aren't able to work and aren't able to do their jobs, not because they're incapable of doing their jobs, but because their job has essentially the rug has been pulled out from underneath them. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you ever, you know, turn your nose up at, at something. And I know you weren't, but I, I, don't, I don't think you uh, what Zion has done has been pretty amazing. Uh, I know the Kings. Uh, have been active in making sure the people at the Golden One Center are taken care of. Uh, you know, Kevin Love has done the same. I tweeted something about Mark Cuban on Wednesday night, and the the, the reason I, I tweeted it wasn't necessarily what he said in that he wanted to make sure that the arena wor- workers were taken care of, but it was in the manner that he said it. He brought it up like this is within minutes of the season being canceled, and he was asked a question about his thoughts, you know, like how are you feeling right now? And that was one of the first things he said, and I thought that was telling. I thought it was telling in that, you know, he wasn't talking about playoffs and he wasn't talking about, uh, you know, his players. He was talking about, you know, the people in the arena that, you know, work for him, work for his organization, do that. Like, he focused on them first, and and I thought that was telling. And, you know, hopefully hopefully organizations do follow. But the, and, and, I, you know, again, I really hope that they do. And you don't turn your nose up at anyone who is offered, you know, to help, whether it's Kevin Love or it's a player or it's an organization or it's an owner or whoever. But the fact is, you know, it's, it's not just arena workers that are going to be feeling this. Like, it's not just, yeah. you know, workers at, you know, AT&T Park in, in San Francisco. You work for a radio station. I mean, what is the street team for KHTK doing right now? What What is this, the street team for KNCI? What are the promotions people doing right now? What are the promotions people and the street team people for radio stu- stations doing right now? Those are part-time people who literally have nothing to do because life has been shut down. You know, those people are going to lose, you know, they're either going to lose their jobs or they're going to lose income. You know what I mean? You, you look at uh, small businesses that advertise across our city and... You know, now, well, hey, we've got to pull it. Like, we can't advertise right now. We do, we're we're losing everything. You know what I mean? So so there's a there are a lot of worlds that are going to change, and it's not just limited to, uh, you know, arena workers. I mean, think about people who uh, sponsor stuff at the Golden One Center, people who have suites and things like that. There are big businesses that are going to be impacted by this. Um, right. It's just, you know, it's you know, we, we, we narrow it down to the microcosm of, of like our sports world, but the, but the fallout is, is, it's just so much greater. It's so, well, so, so much greater. Wrap, maybe we can wrap up with this. Uh, it feels weird to talk once again about basketball and ultimately a, a child's game, even though we know the economic impact uh, that it does have, but in your mind, what is the best case scenario for the NBA at this point? Is it just starting with the playoffs in July, that's the best possible thing they can hope for. Is there something better or is it not even, if not, is that not even possible in your mind? First of all, it's not a child's game. These dudes work their asses off just as the women do in the WNBA to be the absolute best at what they do. And they're just a different form of entertainer. Uh, Two, uh, playoffs. That's kind of what I feel. If, if, if we get to the, if we get to the point where the season can come back, just just start with the playoffs because there's no way it's coming back before what would like actually be the end of the regular season because I mean we're only a couple of weeks away from that and as far as we know life is on pause for for at least another 3 weeks. So, 
if, if, greatest case scenario in the world, planes fly over the country and just drop vaccines on people and we're all good to go, start with the playoffs. Uh, and then, you know, kind of go from there. Like, okay, you know, you asked about baseball earlier. So with basketball, like if you can start with the playoffs as scheduled, okay, that's not going to work. Okay, let's start with an abbreviated form of the playoffs. Okay, but how abbreviated? So the further, okay, so now let's go to an even further abbreviated portion of the playoffs. Like when you talked about baseball a moment ago, I was, you know, they've already postponed the season, but they've said, you know, our goal is to play a hundred and uh, was it 62 games? Then it's okay. Okay. But what if, like, what if it's more than two weeks and it almost certainly will be okay. How much can we shrink the season down? You know, you, you know, if you're, if you're Rob Manfred, you're Adam Silver. And, and quite honestly, the, 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 this is true for Roger Goodell too. And, it, and it's true for, you know, the SEC and the Big Ten and the Big 12. And it's, and it, and it's true again for the NCAA as, as uh, the NCAA football season comes up. Is they have to start coming up with plans to, okay, what if? What is our best case scenario for some of those leagues? It's, well, the league, the season starts on time. That's not going to be the case for baseball. We know that. And we, that we certainly know that's not going to be the case for basketball. So, okay, what is the next best scenario? And then the next one. And then the next one. We already know what the worst case scenario is. And that's losing, you know, all of those leagues losing all of the season. But you have to come up. And this is a tough spot. This is where, you know, when you're Adam Silver and you're Rob Manfred and you're, you know, especially when you're Roger Goodell and you make $50 million a year, this is when you earn it. You've got, to, you've got to work through national disasters that nobody expects coming. You know, you've had to work through 9-11. You've had to work through Hurricane Katrina. Those, affect, those certainly affected people, but they affected, in terms of your league, cities. You know, it's, it's easy. It's, you know, you don't want to be heartless, but it's easy to move the Saints out of New Orleans. It's easy to pause the NFL season for a couple of weeks. It's easy for Major League Baseball to pause their season for a couple of weeks. It's a whole other thing to do it indefinitely. It's a whole other thing to just hit the stop button and go, we're stopped and we have no idea when and if we're coming back. So you've got to come up with uh, a number of uh, contingency plans and just start operating off those based off of what the CDC says, based off what individual states say, uh, based off of what the United States government says, and you, you, you just have to go from there. And you're speaking to, I think, where I'm putting my faith, and I, I'm optimistic and hopeful that I am not smart enough to figure it out and find the solution, but at least in the case of the NBA, Adam Silver and the rest of the NBA, they are smart enough to make it work uh, and put something together that even if they present it and we roll our eyes. And the best example I can give to that on a much smaller scale is the new proposal that they have for the NBA All-Star Game, right? When that dropped, I was like, what in the world is this? I'm confused. I don't think this is going to be entertaining at all. Then we saw it in action, and it worked perfectly. Mm -hmm. So I'm almost hopeful using that as an example of something that is completely different, but that the NBA, with Adam Silver's leadership, can put something together to maybe confuse me or surprise me when it drops but ultimately it accomplishes its goal at wrapping this season up and getting everybody ready and everything ready to return to normal by next season. I think that's what I want more than anything else. If this season is a wash, it's a wash. Put a bow on it, wrap it up, put it away. Unforeseen circumstances, it's happened, it's over, it's done. I want to know 
if next year, next NBA season, we're going to be able to return to normal and life as a NBA fan, NBA journalist, and, and just a basketball fan, if that's going to return to normal and things are going to proceed the way that they were before uh, this, uh, this entire coronavirus situation took place. I think that is what worries me and what, where my interest is more uh, than wrapping up this season or even completing the playoffs and crowning an NBA championship for 2019-2020. What are you going to do to aggravate Kings fans if the season doesn't come back? Um, I mean, I, could, I, I, I have held back some takes on how overrated Harry Giles is just to create some sparks Ooh. of conversation. But, oh. but, you know, I... I'll hold those off until we can actually talk about that. Oh, got I should have known you had a, a, a hot take in your back pocket to piss people off. A Harry Giles right. is overrated take. Oh, you are the constant aggravator, my friend. But I do. It, it, it is indeed what you do, and you do it great. Hey, do we vote on, like, I mean, we don't, you and I don't, but, like, do we, if 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 the season's over, do we hand out an MVP award? I mean, six. I mean, sixty-four games for most teams. Sixty-two, three, four games. Maybe sixty-five, sixty-six. Like, that's enough, right? I mean, we've had seasons shorter than that. I want to, but for selfish reasons, I want to give an MVP award once again to Giannis Antetokounmpo just to piss off James Harden uh, and to have the satisfaction. Oh, please, James Harden doesn't deserve it. Get out of here. Not, not in his mind. Well, that's true. James Harden is going on his James Harden is going on his fourth straight year of winning the MVP. If you ask him, maybe his fifth. That's true. It's it's LeBron or it's 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 LeBron or Giannis, and ultimately I think it's Giannis. I think LeBron was making a push uh, that was really getting people's attention, especially after I think it was. I mean, I think our last memory of the NBA, right? Wasn't it the weekend before everything shut down that that, that the Lakers beat the Bucks and the Clippers on back to back nights? Yep. Yep. So, like, I mean, it, that's that's a that's a another question. You you would know the answer to this better than I do. Did I don't think Buddy did Buddy reach his incentives? Remember, Buddy had this like incentive laced contract. Did he yeah. already hit all of them? I Be- know he hit one or two. I can't remember what they were specifically, but I think he was a, a ways off from hitting. Um, hitting the bulk of them. Oh, I think man. Because of- I got to imagine, he's probably got somewhere in the vicinity of 500000 to maybe a million dollars at stake if the season doesn't finish. Because I know one of them was a games played yep. uh, situation. And everyone, you know, you, you, but, you know, Buddy is super durable. Everybody looked at that like, okay, that's a given. What else is on there? I think there was a, you know, finishing somewhere in the top, 10 maybe in three point uh, field goals made, or maybe it was three point percentage or somewhere. If it's field goals made, I'm confident he's good. If it's three point percentage, maybe not so much. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I thought of that earlier today doing, uh, doing the daily podcast called the podcast with Damian Barling. Of course, Matt, as you know, you can catch that on this very same podcast platform that you listen to this show on. Uh, I, I thought for some reason, Buddy Heald popped into my mind and I thought, I, did he get, I was reading about all of these NFL contracts and you know how phony those are. And I was thinking, I wonder if Buddy like made his, his numbers that he needed to hit. Right. Obviously I'm greatly concerned about Buddy Heald getting, getting yeah, to right. his incentive numbers. 
really. I, I'm trying to Google it right now, and I'm, I'm not finding a, a list of the incentives specifically, but I got to imagine he's losing money. I got to imagine a lot of players with contract incentives are losing money. And I think the thing that I'm most frustrated with over everything is that we won't get an opportunity. I was, I had pitched my wagon completely to the Milwaukee Bucks as NBA champions this year, and I wanted to see Giannis lead that team and them accomplish it. Even yeah. if it was, I thought it was going to be against the Clippers. Even if it was against the Lakers, regardless in the NBA Finals, who cares? It would have been fantastic television. I think that is the biggest loss that I'm feeling if this season uh, is not continued or completed. And maybe we will still get an abbreviated NBA Finals or we'll still get that matchup at some point in the near future, but it still doesn't feel like it's going to be the same versus how these teams were playing heading into what I expected to be a, I mean, the fact that the, the Golden State Warriors were now out of the picture yeah. and that all these teams were vying to be that next Golden State Warriors, uh, I, I was chomping at the bit, regardless of if the Kings made it or not, I was chomping at the bit to get to this postseason. It's a shame that's been taken away from us a little bit. You, you thought the Kings were going to be the next Golden State Warriors? Hell no, but oh. I mean... Okay. From the optimistic standpoint, sure, and that's what Vivek Ranadive has been wanting to do for the past seven years. Just so. needed clarification on that. Just, yeah. So so here's the thing about the Bucks that you'd feel great about. At the begin, at the end of Summer League, so what you were in 2020, so I wasn't with you guys for Summer League in 2019. So it must have been Summer League 2018. I told Jason that, that what would amount to this season, the Los Angeles Clippers are going to win the NBA Finals. They were going to win it this year. I told Jason, I laid the whole plan out for him. They're, you know, uh, Kawhi's getting traded to, to Toronto, uh, and, and he's going to wind up signing with Los Angeles. Like, I, I laid it all out there for him, and they're going to get another star. I had no idea it would be Paul George or how they would do it. But I had said that the Clippers were going to win the finals this year. Good news for you, though, because you wanted to see the Bucks go on to win. I'm a year off on everything I say. So when I, I talked about the Toronto Raptors a couple of years ago, and I said, yo, you guys are, anyone want to buy, it's, it's a, it was a long running joke. Anyone want to buy stock in the Toronto Raptors? I got an IPO right now on them and they are going to skyrocket. Now they got swept by Cleveland and then they fired Dwayne Casey. But if you held on to that IPO, you won the NBA championship the next year. Last year, after seeing the Milwaukee Bucks in person at the Golden One Center, I came in the next day, told Jason, hey, NBA Bucks are winning the championship. Those dudes are big, they are athletic, and they might be the one team in the league that is actually faster than Sacramento. Because remember, this was way, way back when Sacramento was running the floor. And I said, the Bucks are winning the championship. They didn't, which means, based on my Toronto Raptors curve, they were going to win this year. So your next two NBA champions are the Milwaukee Bucks and then the Los Angeles Clippers. Put your money on it. You're welcome. Well, you know what? If that's the Damian Barling stamp of approval, I will absolutely uh, I will absolutely take that and uh, spend what little money I have during yeah. this uh, don't, NBA don't, recession don't do that. on ev- everything you said. No, don't. it's your seal of approval, don't. right? So you, it's a fail-safe system. So myself, anybody who puts money on that guarantee, if, if they fail, you got us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how it works? That's how it works, yes. That's, that's, always, okay, that's, cool. that's always how it's, how, it, how it's worked. Yep, for sure. Hey, this was uh, fun. I mean, you know, dis- d- despite the morbidness of the topic, uh, it was fun to talk about basketball a little bit. 
as much as we can. I think we all are in agreement that we just want it to come back as soon as possible, but in the most healthy and safe way possible. Yeah. Uh, but I think the the ultimate takeaway from this is, at least for me, is the bleakness that we both agree it's going to be a while and the worst is yet to come. Yeah. No. Well, yeah, I mean... Uh, hopefully whatever the worst is, we can just, we could just get through it and, 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 and move along from there. Well, good to chat with you, buddy. Thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time here with me. And hopefully next time we're together, we'll be actually able to talk about sports that are taking place. And I promise you this, I said this on a, an earlier podcast this week, I will never take the length of NBA, MLB, <laughs> NFL season for granted again. Good, good stuff, Matt. Thanks buddy. Have a good one. Great stuff there from the ultimate Twitter antagonizer, uh, Matt George. Uh, appreciate him. We've been planning this for a while. We were actually, we, we had something planned uh, immediately after the season came to a halt. We decided to uh, put everything, uh, in, in addition to the rest of the world, we decided to put that on hold and uh, thought we'd uh, drop a podcast here together for both Locked on Kings and the Hoop Ball podcast. I, I honestly, I don't know the next time I'm going to do a Hoop Ball podcast. Um I don't imagine there's going to be any news pertaining to the NBA coming out anytime soon. Uh, I, do, I do still do the Daily Sports Podcast. I think that's broad enough to cover different things. I don't know how to do... I don't know. I, I know the, the, the people who listen to this podcast are so passionate about the Sacramento Kings. I don't know how to do you justice right now. Uh, if there is is another opportunity to, to talk to a guest or if there's another opportunity to... Uh, you know, create something that I that I think could be compelling, or perhaps the NBA season doing actually what I, I I'm fearful that they won't, and I absolutely believe that they won't it, it is return. Uh, you know, then we'll definitely do one. Uh, but in the meantime, we're probably just going to be on pause here for a little bit, along with you know the rest of the world. I I know everybody appreciates their entertainment, and you know <laughs> now more than ever, probably you're looking for different things to entertain yourselves as you may be quarantined at the house. But I, I don't know how to create something king centric you know if you have ideas of course you can always shoot them to me uh, if anything comes up of course you'll hear about it here uh, if you need a daily sports podcast you could definitely check out the podcast with Damian Barling uh, but anything related to the Sacramento Kings you know the next time we have an opportunity to talk we certainly will if I can gather up a guest and you know we could just banter maybe we're just reflecting on the season you know I think it's a little bit premature to look ahead to next year uh, but if we get the opportunity to maybe just kind of look back at look at the, some of the things that went well, some of the things that didn't go well, uh, we could do that as well. But uh, if you took the opportunity to listen to this, uh, greatly appreciate it. If you took the opportunity to listen to anything uh, that we did here on the Hoopball podcast uh, during this 2019-20 season, know that we don't take a single download for granted. We greatly appreciate all of the support uh, that you have shown us here uh, on the podcast uh, that you have shown the hoop ball uh, podcast network and that you have shown hoop dash ball.com. Uh, so uh, take care of yourselves. Uh, be well, uh, stay isolated, find something fun on Netflix, uh, binge, listen to old episodes of, of, of the podcast. If you want, if you really want to relive the King season, which I can't imagine why you would, but go back in, you know, the NBA league pass, it's, it's free for everybody. So, you can go back and you can watch a Kings game and then come back and listen to the post-game pod. It might give you some sense of normalcy. Then you'd be pissed off about the Kings uh, blowing a late lead versus being mad that you can't go outside. Yeah. Trying to find the bright side here. I know that was a stretch, 
But again, appreciate you guys so much for being with here. Uh, again, uh, take care of yourself. Be well. Thanks to Matt George for joining me. And we'll be back here again, hopefully soon, on the Hoop Ball Podcast and the Hoop Ball Podcast Network.